0: Welcome to episode 10 of MonoMerror Dad Movies, talking about 2016's biggest anime films, Your Name and the Silent Voice. We recorded these discussions months ago at this point. The Your Name discussion was recorded in April, and the Silent Voice discussion was recorded in June. But, with a silent voice currently hitting theaters this October, and Your Name coming out on Blu-ray over here next month, now's as good as time as any to release these discussions, all in one episode. So sit back and enjoy our discussions of your name and its silent voice Welcome to Movie Mavericks, the show where we talk smack about movies. We're still going with the catchphrase? I can't remember, just like I can't remember your name. Who are you, my special guest for this episode? Uh, it's me, Velor GZ. Oh, you're not special at all, then. I remember you. You're the old ass that's been on the last six episodes. Yeah. Ah, how disappointing. Well... It's okay, folks. You still got me, your host, Lam Ramiyasha here, and together with We Lord, we are going to be talking about Your Name. Not literally you, the listener, the audience's name, but the movie, Your Name, directed by Makoto Shinkai, that was out in theaters from April 7th to April 14th in America. Came out last year in Japan to resounding success. Became the highest grossing, like, domestic movie in Japan, I believe. At least among anime films. Yeah. It it outsold Spirit away. Yeah, and insane international gross, especially in the China market. Really incredibly successful film. But it didn't get nominated for an Oscar. That was a shame, (laughs) but... I don't think Funny really knew how to handle that campaign, but it is telling that this movie was incredibly successful because its debut gross was 600,000, which had the highest Per teeter average of any movie out in the states, and it also grossed over the weekend 1.6 million, which is a pretty hefty and respectable number. I think that the hype for, it's pretty incredible for a movie that doesn't necessarily have a well-known name behind it. But Koto Shinkai is certainly no Miyazaki in terms of public consciousness, recognizability, and Your Name is not related to a big franchise like, per se, Dragon Ball Z. It's pretty incredible that Your Name is so successful in the States. But as it very well deserves, because it is indeed a well-made film, worthy of the hype. At least in part. What do you think, we Lord? What do you think about your name? Or, actually, first, we should probably talk about our theater experiences. We yes. have the same theater experience, <laughs> because we saw it together. Yeah, so, I mean, the theater was, I guess... Were decently packed, there was quite a few people in there. They all seemed to be, like, really into the film. They seemed... They were laughing at all, like, the funny moments of the film and all that stuff. Whenever, uh, Taki would, uh, touch... Mitsuha's... Mitsuha's yeah. breasts and stuff. But, yeah. I mean, overall, the audience itself seemed to enjoy the film a lot, and it was pretty fun. I mean, I kept getting distracted, because this... Asshole chose seats right in front of a family with a little kid, and I kept getting distracted by the little kid fidgeting in his chair during the movie and making comments out loud. And I was trying to figure out whether the little kid was fidgeting oh because God. he was enjoying the movie or because he was getting bored by the movie. You were really I'm, overthinking this. I'm I'm interested in how children perceive media and how children interpret interact and enjoy media, lord. You know, that's interesting to me. And especially when it comes to a film that's so unique like Your Name, that's so Different from normal animated fare that a normal child would be exposed to in the West. It's a very Japanese movie. Oh yeah, it is. Like, it doesn't hide its japanese We are not in those days of censorship or hiding the things. Like, there's a, it's very much rooted in Japanese culture. It's centered thematically around a very tragic, very traumatic Japanese disaster. That's what the movie's about. It's interesting to me how regular audiences would perceive the film. And the answer to that, based on some reviews I've been seeing, is uh they don't understand it. They think it's convoluted. It's weird. More accurately, they think it's convoluted. They think it's confusing. They don't Except understand the it really plot. really wasn't. <laughs> It's a pretty straightforward film. I think that's a takeaway about Your Name. It's actually a very straightforward film in terms of the plot and also uh the emotional beats, I would say. Like, Your Name doesn't do anything that's necessarily outstanding in terms of its plot. It's the basic beats of where the story moves. Like, it is a very traditional body swap Story. It goes through some of the body swap tropes, but it does it in a very smart way because it knows you've seen other body swap movies. So it knows that you don't need the long-standing sequence of like, oh, I'm in this person's body, oh, oh. It moves you quickly along. It makes makes, uh, the mystery more engaging by not showing you things that you can just easily guess. By seeing how people interact and how people, uh, how people, you know, comment on things and make implications about what happened when they were in each other's bodies and the ramifications that that caused in their perception, daily lives. You know, it's very smart about that. The movie opens up, like, when Mitsuta being confused about the next day about things that Take did in her body the day before. Like, and we don't have to see what Haki did. We can pick up on what shenanigans happened just by the way her friends react and, the fr- and comment. And all the little details we see, like, when she opens up her notebook and sees that someone wrote, Who are you in her notebook? I guess little thing, just like, little things like that. It doesn't need to beat you over the head about what happened. It makes great use of cinematic editing to make transitions between, like, when the characters are body swapped and when they're in their normal states. Like, the opening, opening scene in the movie is Taki waking up in Mitsuha's body, grabbing the breast and all of that. But then we transition into a scene of the next day. It just continues off straightforward from the previous scene because it's Mitsuha going into the dining room. But it's actually Mitsuha this time because it's the next day. And we don't need to be told, oh, it's the next day. Oh, oh, oh. We, we get it, okay? We yeah. get it by the way the characters are acting, and by how the scene progresses and moves along. So, that's the takeaway from Your Name. It's a very smart movie, because it treats its audience as smart. It pays them the respect to figure things out for themselves, to make the connections themselves. It doesn't have to spill everything out for you. You can just, it knows you You can just get it, if you just think, for Monica in a second. But of course, this is America, and we're all conditioned by Hollywood movies to not think, which is why we got that Ghost in the Shell movie that that goes down. That goes exact points. at the exact opposite point of the original film. Corporations are bad. Technology is dangerous, and we We talked about this. Shall we talked for forty also, while minutes? while we're while we're going to do all this, we're gonna butcher all the characters that Vilor loves. We talked for 40 minutes about this. I, Move I, I on. know. Move on. Why don't you talk about your takeaway of your name? I mean, my, my takeaway is pretty much kind of the same of you as yours. It kind of, it knows that you have seen the body swap formula before, and it kind of bounces off of that. It kind of rushes through all that stuff, because you, you already know what takes part But You know, you know Taki's going to freak out on Mitsuha's body. You know Mitsuha's going to freak out on Taki's body and all that stuff, and it kind of just goes past that and then focuses on... What happens after them dealing with kind of having to swap bodies. And that's pretty much the first half of the film until the big plot twist. And the great thing about this film is that it's not all about them just switching bodies. It's about the deeper emotional connection that they share. It's about gender issues, about how other people perceive them. When they take on more feminine or masculine traits, when they switch bodies... Curiously, they become more popular with members of the opposite sex and even same sex when they Mm -hmm. switch bodies. And there's a whole bunch of gender issues to go into there. But there's a really great sequence, a montage, that just shows them you know, how how they adapt to being in each other's bodies and make rules for each other and just how they go about dealing with this in their daily lives, this thing that's happening to them. It's a really great sequence, really great montage. And ultimately, we do get the big climactic twist just as they've started to really form this deeper emotional bond with each other that's sort of leaning into a more romantic angle. Meteors come crashing down. Miza has been dead for three years. Yes. So, now to address the real big elephant in the room that's staring at us right in the face. This film is about the Fukushima nuclear power plant disaster. It's about the earthquake that happened in 2011, the floods, the devastation in Fukushima, and all the destruction there, all the lives lost. Like, how that fundamentally changed Japanese society as a traumatic event. There's a whole bunch of discourse on that that I'm I am not nearly well-read enough to go into here, but hopefully actually I will be able to soon in a more proper analytical review of the film. But just to be brief, the core essence of the movie is dealing with this sense of loss and this trauma of this thing that was so present in your life that is now gone. And as you're moving forward in life, you're forgetting about it. You can't, you're struggling to remember it. Because where the place once was doesn't exist anymore. Those people don't, aren't there anymore. And they just exist as names. And they just exist as memories. And those memories are fading away. They're being forgotten. Names are being forgotten. So the movie is about Taki basically retrying to save Mitsuha, trying to preserve his memories of her in a way, and ultimately preserve her life. And so, since Mitsuha had become half of him, once he drinks the the Kusabi sake... I believe that was what it's called. Kuchisake. Yeah. You know, he goes on this lucid, uh, he, he kind of starts to really connect on a deeper level to, uh, Mitsuha's past. He experiences it, and he's able to, uh, through means, it's n- it's like magic, you know? It's not terribly explained in a logical sense. Like, uh, this this movie is not realistic by any means. It's an emotionally charged <laughs> movie. It's about the emotions of its characters first and foremost, and nothing else. But yeah basically they're able he's able to uh, engineer events so that the town of Mitsunori is saved and uh, he can re- he reconnects with Mitsuha. They do end up forgetting about each other ultimately but they still have that sense of longing in their hearts, that sense of lack of and so they always are searching for each other for years to come until they ultimately find each other again. It's a very powerful message, not only for the romantic angle, but also thematically because of how it relates to the Fukushima disaster and that sense of loss and that sense of lack that was left in people who are still constantly searching for something that filled that void in their hearts. And they're searching for a person or a place. They're searching for what they have, what they once had and what they had lost and a way to rekindle that sense of fulfillment and that sense of completeness, that whole they once were. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, not really. You kind of covered all the bases there. (laughs) Then perhaps we should dig into the artistic merits of Shinkai's film because this is a visually gorgeous movie. Shinkai's films have always been known for his amazing visuals, particularly his stunning background work, and here he's merged it with a great emotionally charged story and it's a it's a, it's a very much more measured film i would say whereas shinkai's previous films might have focused more on the scenery more so than the story here it, they perfectly complement each other the scenery the way that the film depicts and gets gives you a sense about uh Itomori and Tokyo is very important in breeding life into making them feel like real places as they are real places but making you like really connect with them making you f- them feel like you live you can understand like the way people live in these worlds that this is a believable space and so you get attached to these spa these spaces these the cities, these communities, as much as you are the central characters. And that's very important in a movie that is about the loss of not just people, but a place that was once home and that was once important. Yeah, I mean, this film does a really good job of immersing you in the environments through visual storytelling. You kind of feel like you're in Tokyo or in Iomari. Like, you can very much feel that these places are alive indeed. I can definitely see this film as Shinkai truly coming to its own. And now, I guess, the question is of addressing its status as a phenomenon. Why do you think it appeals to so many people? I mean, I, I think a lot of the reason is, for one, yeah, the, Fuku- the Fukushima disaster. Because that, that only happened about... Six years yeah, six years ago at this point, so it's still very much fresh in the memory of the Japanese population and how pretty much these natural disasters and all all these things can kind of destroy what we love and the, how the kind of lives that we live are kind of fleeting in a way that the memories that we make, can be fleeting in the fear of that. Some have postulated that part of your Name's appeal and part of why its a representation and abstraction of the Fukushima dis- disaster is so valuable is that it's more palpable to connect with and to connect and to remember this disaster sort of distraction of animation and these uh, visual metaphors rather than going back and witnessing relics of the disaster or reliving the memories of the disaster itself through the form of documentary or picture or photos that's partially the appeal of your name is the fact that it can tap into like the public trauma of the japanese people and through this abstracted uh, this metaphorical lens convey that in a new meaning that is not blatantly about that but still subtextually about that Otherwise, I think that part of the great appeal of the film is just that it's this visually stunning film and probably sets a new bar in terms of how anime films should look, I think. I mean, I have rarely... I don't think there is another anime film, I can say, that is as beautiful-looking as this. Yeah, this, this, this film is visually stunning from beginning to end. Yes. And, of course, the core love story between Mitsuha and is, of course, very strong. They're very well-defined personalities with very believable wants in their lives. And the way that they kind of complement each other and they complete each other, it feels like very cathartic. And it feels like this very powerful emotional connection that I think can relate to a lot of couples. And I I think there's no surprise, there's no shock in that this movie it was an extremely popular date movie in Japan. And perhaps it will become an extremely popular date movie among anime fans in the <laughs> United States as well. I can certainly see uh, some nerdy otaku folk uh, watching this movie on a first date or something <laughs> at home. Ultimately, do you have anything more to say about your name? I think we should know that both of us actually saw this film before the Funimation screening. We both saw this film about several months ago, back in December, on a plane flight. So we've had time to kind of reflect on the movie overall. And do you feel back when we watched in December, and when we watched it now, do you think it holds up just as well? I think it does. I was still enjoying the film as much as the first time, even knowing the beats of the film and when things would happen and how they would happen. I still was completely emotionally invested in the story, and I still felt a surge of emotion during the most em- emotional climaxes of the film, like when they're on the mountain and they're searching for each other. And, like, they cut out just before Mitsuha's able to write her name on Taki's hand. And then later, when Mitsuha is looking at her palm for Taki's name to remember it, you see that he just wrote, I love you on it. And she's like, "Dummy, you, how can I remember you like this? And it's a great, Emotional, heartwarming moment. You know, I, I still felt the emotions here. It's a very, yeah. it's very easy to feel for this movie. I think you'd have to be pretty cynical not to like feel something out of this movie. It's very easy to nitpick its flaws. I think because I think structurally, I don't mean, even think guys admitted this, that the movie it's not perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you can poke a bunch of holes in this movie if you like, really want to. Yeah. You want to get into the nitty details of how things act or work? It, not a lot of it makes sense on a logical level it's all about how it makes sense on an emotional level like that's the entire point like if you're you're totally missing the point of the movie if you're not thinking about like what shinkai is trying to say how he's trying to contextualize the fukushima disaster as well as how he's just trying to portray like just general connection between two people and how that you know completes a part of their lives that's just so universal I think if you ignore just those two fundamental aspects of the film and just focus on the bare bones structure of the plot, you're going to completely miss what is so appealing about this movie and why it has had such a profound cultural impact. Yeah, for sure. Speaking on the dub, I will say I think it was pretty solid overall. Michael Santa was great as Taki and Stephanie Shea was excellent as Mitsuha. And I thought all the supporting cast was really done well too. No remember who did who on the top of her head, but I thought that whoever did Mitsuha's sister Yotsuha was really good. I thought uh, I thought <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a great performance. I so that was really good. Uh enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoyed the dub. It was it's pretty solid what I expect for for a movie yeah. of the stature. Pretty much a solid Funimation, though. It would have been interesting to see who would have been cast if they had decided to go for some big name actors. Yeah. Kind of like how Disney did for Ghibli movies. I'd imagine like it, the results would be better than for most of those, since Gaelic movies tend to require a lot of more stilted, nuanced acting, like very subtle that uh, yeah. I don't think a lot of actors could pull off. When you watch those uh, dubs back, but I think uh, there are a lot of people for for your name that could have done pretty good. But going with just great uh, talents in the voice acting industry, like Stephanie Shea and Santa Claris, was pretty good. Yeah. I also appreciated that Radwimps re-recorded their songs in English for this movie. Oh yeah. I knew something felt different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They I mean they Ugh. the intonations all the same. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't notice it too badly, other than the fact that yeah, they're singing in English now. Lyrically, you can tell it's a lot more cornier now. Yeah. But it's still, you can still get the emotion behind yeah. the songs. Like I, I'm, a, I think Radwimps is a pretty good band. I like their Shonen Jump song, tribute song a lot too. Oh, yeah, they did do that song. It's kind of slow, which is weird for a Shonen Jump song, but you can get yeah, behind it. it. Works. Yeah, I like it. So, great Brad Wimps showing uh, in terms of their uh, English re-recordings. Any final thoughts on Your Name? Um, I mean, Your Name. It's an amazing film. I'd highly recommend checking it out. Especially in a theater, if you can, because you want the best visual quality and the best sound quality for this film. It very much, I feel, is a film that's heavily reliant on kind of the, the whole visual and audio aspect of it. And yeah, I mean, I'm not sure, now that I've had months to reflect on my initial video, I'm not sure if it's the greatest film of all time, but it is still an amazing film. Yes, Your Name is a really solid, really interesting film that I hope to delve more into in my research and write a more proper, more well thought out and structured review instead of the rambling that I've just spat out on this podcast. <laughs> but overall, I think that about does it for Your Name. And now, I guess, we'll try. Transition into the next thing. People try to put us to death. Talking about my generation. Just because we get around. Talking about my generation. Things they do look awful. Talking Talk my generation. Hope we'll I die before I get old. Talking about my generation. I my generation, baby. Welcome to Manga mavericks at Movies, the show where we talk smack about movies. Yeah, I guess we're still doing with that. Well, we're not talking smack about this movie because this movie was freaking fantastic. Amazing! It was a silent voice directed by Nayoko Yamada, based on the manga by Yoshitoki Oma. That is like one of my all-time favorite manga. So, you know, I've been anticipating this film for years. Yeah, like, when did they announce ago? this film? They announced it when the manga was at its conclusion. Yeah, they announced it with the final chapter. So. That was twenty fourteen. So twenty fourteen. Yes, I've been waiting like two and a half, three years yeah. for this movie, and it delivered despite my trepidation. Yeah, I remember like when this was announced, we we're like, "Oh, yeah, cool, Silent Voice." Then it announced the film, and we're all like. Okay, cool, they can at least just adopt the child arc. Then they turn out they're gonna be adopting the entire thing. It's Keo Annie, the director who did Kaon. Then some of the initial reception was a bit mixed. Yeah. Then it turned out to be like really acclaimed at film festivals. Yeah, it was very strange because the first reactions we heard about this movie when it came out in Japanese theaters were very negative. Like people saying it was a desecration of the manga. But like when we later heard buzz from like film festivals and stuff, like people were praising this as a masterpiece, one yeah. of the best like anime movies ever. And on MAL, it has an over a nine point one two. Yeah, it's like ranked number seven. So this is like highly regarded in the community. Yeah, so, the, like, film festivals, like, A Silent Voice and Your Name were essentially the big two heavy hitters. Yeah. Like, at every film festival, those would be, like, the big, like, two deciding, like, films for, like, best film at the festivals. and Usually, Your Name would just edge it out a little bit, like, but it was always very close. There still tons of A Silent Voice fans, and even the people who were voting Your Name would agree that A Silent Voice was amazing. Yeah, Makoto Shinkai himself, like, praise the movie. Yeah. He thinks it was better than his own film. <laughs> Shinkai, she kind of, to be fair, is very hard on himself, though. That's true. Yeah. I would say both are excellent films. Yeah. I actually probably would give the edge to your name, but we'll get to the reasons why later, but A Silent Voice is definitely worth the wait. Definitely a wordy adaptation of the manga. It's beautifully directed, and I'd expect nothing less from Naoko Yamada. I'll Go into, like, the misconception I had going into this, just being around the communities I've been, because in the communities like we hang out with, Kaon and the likes of KyoAni's other shows are not very favorably, uh, looked upon. Yeah, I mean, like, Fumo Panic Second Raid and Fumofu. Great great series. Maggie Brilliant Park. Good. Sound Euphonium. I have not watched it, but I've heard good things. Aside from that, though, like, well, no. What I'm saying is, I don't really agree with the stance of, uh, that community anymore. Cause I have since, like, reevaluated what I've seen from Kyoani's work, and I, I've learned just more about their actual styles, particularly the style of Noyoko Yamada, the director of this film. Who yeah. directed K-On. And, like, she's a masterful director. In fact, The Pedantic Romantic put out a great video, like, explaining, like, that she is one of the strongest up and comers like she is a genius in the industry like for someone so young to have so many director credits under her belt to be so widely regarded to have like all her films and all her work be so critically acclaimed like she is one of the big names in the industry right now and she's gonna go down as one of the greats yeah i mean and whatever you have to say about, like, what happens or the story of her works, if you want to criticize that, you can't deny that her directing is genius and incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, say what you want about k But it's a well-produced show, for sure. And, like, even KyoAni in general. Like, KyoAni as a studio, from both how they treat their employees and how their production are done, are probably the best, one of the best among Japanese studios, because they they aren't overworking their employees as much as other studios, and their productions are very stable. Yeah, Anime is probably the best studio in the anime industry, because they treat their animators so well, and their quality is so high. And I think, like, regardless of how you feel about the show, you have to think about, like, yeah, if it's a good source, if it's a good team, it can be good. Just because you don't like, like, act shows from KyoAni doesn't mean that Silent voice can't be amazing. Well, yes, and yeah. Again, Naoko Yamada, she is a genius director. She is, like, one of the best in the industry right now. And you can see, like, what she brings to this film in terms of how she is able to get so much out emotionally in, like, every shot of this movie. And, of course, distractingly, uh At times you can see her emphasis on legs, which is yeah um, which is signature trademarks, but she's like really good at showing emotion just in the character's legs and how they walk and stuff, so you know that's pretty genius in yeah. it itself like you can see such subtle movements, like even like like slight like nudges of the head, movements of the fingers it's it's great. She knows how to elicit the most emotion out of the most little movements. I think that's her expertise. Yeah. I think that's what she does so well that, like, few others can capture. Just reading life into characters in such a subtle and such a naturally realistic way. I think we should probably, like, do, like, a quick, like, rundown of, like, the premise of a silent voice. I don't know how you don't know the premise of a silent (laughs) voice. Basically... (laughs) This kid called Shoya bullied a deaf girl named Shoko when they were elementary school students. Eventually, Shoya took it too far, and he was ostracized, in turn, by his classmates. And he, like, basically was left alone until, like, high school. And, like, just became so depressed and so, like, isolated that he attempts to kill himself. And we see that at the beginning of the film. And then, you know, he's called back to his senses. Instead of doing that, he decides to make amends by, you know, seeing Shoko again. And, like, trying to, you know, do right by her and make up for what he's done in the past. And try to be friends with her like she wanted to be when they were kids. And that's the premise of the film. Yeah, so, at least for me going into this, I had not read, like, a lot of the Silent Voice manga. I probably... I've read, like, probably, like, two or three chapters. Yeah, I don't know how you haven't read A Silent Voice, but, you know, it's, like, one of my favorite manga. And we have the entire manga. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know, like, when it was announced, when the film was announced, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna read the entirety of A Silent Voice, and then it just never happened. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, going into this, I knew, like, a lot of the basic plot beats, like, initial premise about, like, Shoya is ostracized by his classmates, and then ending portion, because that's when, around the that time that's when you were doing manga recaps about it. Right. Let me tell you, I caught up to the manga while it was still running at the point where Shoya jumps off of the, well, he falls off of the, you know, balcony, balcony in his attempt to stop Shoko's suicide. So, yeah, you know, that was like the chapter that I caught up on. I was like, wow. What the... And that's the two-thirds point of the manga. So there's like 20 chapters after that. And I reviewed every one of those chapters on the Animation Revelation forums. Yeah. You can go back in the currently running manga thread. And, you know, I wrote pretty lengthy summaries of every chapter. Oh, yeah. And at the end of the year, I combined all of them into, like, one. And it was lasted, like, two posts. That's yeah. how long what I wrote was. So, yeah, I had so much passion for a silent voice and that experience reading that last two terms of the series week by week as it came up was just an incredible experience, a moving experience, because every chapter was like this big revelation about a character with such fascinating insights about how bullying and like social alienation affects people, like redemption, like forgiving yourself, forgiving others, so many themes So much interesting stuff to explore. The ending is so cathartic, And I absolutely love that manga. And that is why it's one of my all-time favorite manga. Top five. Damn. This film, I don't think it lives up to how much I love the manga. Because it can't go as far into what the manga did with its characters and teams in just two hours about well, two hours and ten minutes, Sid. They still can't go into <laughs> seven. volumes. Yeah, you can't you can't adapt seven volumes in that amount of time. Not as deep. The character yeah. studies aren't as deep for most of the characters, and like most yeah. of the characters make it to the film, but like it's clear that there's stuff cut out. With a character like Mashiba, you don't really know anything about him in the film. He's just there. Whereas in the manga, he has just so much more character behind him. Machiba movie. was like the guy who was like hanging around Kawai, right? Yeah, yeah. Like those are two characters who get so you get so much more insight into their minds in the manga. Like, does Kawai ever get any sort of redemption? Because for the most of this film, she's just kind of a lying bitch. Uh, I wrote a very detailed analysis on the way Kawai's mind works during the chapter where like dives into it because it was really fascinating like she performs these mental gymnastics to always make herself the victim and like relieve herself of any wrong which is simultaneously despicable but also makes her kind of innocent in a way yeah, but they address it so they address yeah, okay. it and you know she is pretty genuine as a character like she isn't like lying. She doesn't, like, mean to lie. She just generally believes that she She thinks that she did nothing wrong. Yeah, she generally believes she thinks she didn't do anything wrong. But, like, when she says, you know, she wants to help you or, like, she gets teared up that they couldn't, like, get all a thousand folded paper cranes. Like, that's genuine. Like, she generally wants to help and do things. So, like, she's always a genuine person, but she can do something wrong and later not remember that as a wrong thing. Like, she'll Mm. always make herself the victim or innocent. So, like, Mm. it's a very she has a very twisted mind, but like, her character is incredibly honest at the same time. It's really complicated, but really fascinating. Mm. See, I really want to make a series of posts, or videos, or something that analyzes each of the characters in depth now, because this film, you know, this film, like, like how pretty much every film related to a franchise I've loved this year has made me want to do it's like it makes me want to go back to the source material and go through the whole thing again and make like this big statement about it. and like I feel with yeah. this film you know it's rekindled the memories of why I love that manga so much why I love these characters and the story and these themes so much that makes me want to you know just go further into them but a lot of it just isn't present in this film in of it itself. Yeah. Like, you can, you can see that there's character development happening off screen. Yeah, like, Sahara's character art is, Yeah. like, it's just super abridged in this film. And Uedos, too, it seems. And Ueno's, yes. Yeah. I mean, they cut so much out of that. But, like, it still feels satisfying, Ueno's art. You get the core beats. Like, you get that, you know, she cares about Shoya, and, like, she, has resentment towards Shoko, and she just can't bring herself to forgive her, or, like, you know, make friends with her, but, like, you know, at the end of the film, you know, we see that she's learned like, sign language, like, she's trying to communicate better with Shoko. She's trying to actually put in an effort now. Right. So, you know, she gets her own little redemption of a sort by the end of the film for, like, her awful behavior before. Yeah. I mean, going, going towards other characters that, great. I mean, uh... I forget his name. Nagasuka. Nagasuka Nagasuka's hilarious, (laughs) and there's just so much more with him in the manga again, because the film cuts out the entire movie subplot. In the manga, the reason, like, all the characters eventually, like, become friends is, like, Nagasuka and Shoya recruit them to help them make this movie for a film contest. Oh. So, you know, they cut the entire film and film contest part out, which I'm gonna say it makes the part where shoku is going around and trying to you know get everyone back together kind of loses that purpose behind it because in the manga what she was trying to do is get everyone back together so they could complete the film for shoya that's what she was doing she was like trying to you know get everyone to help make the film and like that would be like you know restoring what had been lost and restoring like everything shoya had worked for but in the, in the film, like, she's just going around, I guess she wants them to try and be friends with Shoya again? It's like, I don't really, it's just not as strong an idea as like, what was in the manga. Like, them coming back together to complete this film for their friend. But I guess another thing in here is like, them becoming friends is like, when Kawaiian, like, what's his face? For his name? Uh, uh, Mashiba. Yeah, Kawaiian Mashiba. When they first become friends with Shoyo, it's just like a random like dialogue with him. Hey, let's be friends, right? In the manga, there's an friends. actual reason. Like they needed them to help make the film. Yeah, it just it feels kind of random because, like, like yeah. literally, like Shoyo just goes up to Kawai, asks why she changed her hair. Kawai's like, "Hey, Shoyo, let's become friends." Yeah, but uh you know, I can understand them needing to keep Kawai because Kawai is pretty important to what happens to Shoya getting kind of outed at school, which causes him to, like, you know, lose the friend circle, like, that had been forming around him because he feels shame from, like, what he had done to Shoko before. And then, like, he just tells everyone honest, like, things about them that are, like, very hurtful and drives them away. And so uh, they needed Kawaii for that because Kawhi was, like, what made that happen. But, you know, Mashiba, he loses, like, his role in the film. He's kind of just there. I'm assuming, yeah, he had a much larger role in the manga, right? Yeah, he had more of a role, he had more of a purpose to him, instead of just being, like, some random guy who wanted to be Shuri's friend. Like, he had, like, his own, like, kind of twisted, like, things that he had inside of him. Like, his own, like, demons and, like, way of thinking that he had to address and challenge and you know he has to reconsider what he thinks about Shoya because like he is like so staunchly anti-bullying that when he finds out what Shoya did to Shogo, he punches. Fuck. <laughs> so like you know he when he has to like really reevaluate you know Shoya and like himself. So he had his own very interesting chapter that really explored his character. So like all the characters in the manga were like very deeply characterized, had so much to them. But in the film, it removes a lot of the layers to like most yeah. of them, besides Shoya, and Shoko, yeah, and Yuzuru. I guess that that's the part of the sacrifice of adapting something this long yeah. into a mere two hours because you, you can't cover everything. You simply can't. But at the very least, what this film does right is that cut covers the essence of the story. It does. It covers like Sh- Shoya going from a social outcast and someone who did something horrible in the past to redeeming himself, like doing right by the girl he bullied, and then also reconnecting with people again and gaining a friend circle again. Yeah. I mean, when you think about this, there's so many different ways that this movie could have become a train wreck. They could have just tried to cover way too much and too, and like too little of a time and just been like a, some muddled, unfocused mess. But yeah. they found a way to streamline it into a strong to hour film that may not be as good as the manga, according to manga fans, but it still is enjoyable on its own. Well, yeah, it captures the thematic heart of the manga, yeah. that story of redemption and what it means to be a friend. Like, the core scene of the movie is, like, when Shoya is asking Nakasuka, like, you know, is it really okay to be friends? Like, what are the qualifications to be someone's friend? And Nagatsuka, <laughs> like, smokes his cry <laughs> like a cigarette, and then acts so coolly uh, to show you and says, qualifications, you don't need something like that to be friends. Being something friends is, like, much bigger, more personal than that. Uh, Nagatsuka and that is so great. <laughs> yeah, he's he such a great personality. But yeah, that's the heart of the movie. Like, you don't need qualifications to be friends with someone. You just, like, need to spend time with them, hang out with them, enjoy each other's company, and be there for them when they need you to. And that's what friendship is in this movie. Shoya's friends rally around him when he's in trouble. They come there for him. And, like, they don't hold what he said to them against him. Like, as Nagasuka again tells him, you know, things like that happen all the time with life. But, you know, I want You as my friend, I want you to be here with me. So don't go anywhere too far away, man. Don't, don't die on me. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, those two scenes with Nagasuka, when I think about it, are actually, like, the the core, like, they capture, like, the core theme of this movie. Mm. Like, more than any of the scenes with Shoya and Shoko, interestingly enough. Although, again, I mean, there is, like, of course, the scene where they meet on the bridge You know, Shoko has that vision of, like, Shoya passing away. And so she wakes up and runs to the bridge. And then Shoya also, like, wakes up and runs to the bridge. And so, you know, he tells her, like, I want you to show me the way. I want to be able to stand tall and, you know, look at people again. I want you to help me with that. So, you know, that's another, like, key scene in the movie in terms of its themes. And, like, emotional catharsis of, like, the entire film. And, like, I thought what it did beautifully was how it used the X's on everyone's faces. That's a key part of the manga. And, like, where the film ends, it ends much at a much earlier place in the manga, but, it, like, it completes Joya's character arc. Because the final scene of the film is when all the X's on everyone's faces start finally peeling away. And now he can see everyone's faces. He can see all the joy that's around him, all that he has around him, all of his friends that are there for him. And like, enjoy his company and are around. And like, he is a part of a group again. He isn't alone anymore. He has so much now. Mm-hmm. And that's just so beautiful. And that's just like a great, like, place to leave off of. And it feels complete. The movie downplays actually the romance between, uh, Shoya and Shoko that was like there in the manga, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Not that like it changes any of the scenes to like remove the romance subplot, but that's not where it ends. It doesn't end like where it's Shoya and Shoka holding hands to face the future together. It ends with just Shoya looking around at the festival at all his friends around him. So it's less about those two together and then more like Shoya and like everyone around him. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a very interesting change in terms of the framing of this movie and Shoya's character arc and like what it relates to. Yeah. Out of curiosity Chapter-wise, like, how many chapters, like, are left past where the film left off, like, that final scene? Not a whole lot, I think. Maybe four or five. Huh. Okay. Like, again, they have to resolve the stuff with the film, so it's a great chapter where they show the film, finally, and, like, everyone, like, bashes it and picks it apart. <laughs> and so afterwards, they're kind of rolled down, but then they start laughing it off, saying, eh, what do they know? So, you know, that's another cute chapter, and then there's some other, like, wrap-up chapters, and the series ends with, like, them graduating high school. Yeah, on a side note, going moving to a different topic, well, one thing I noticed complaint-wise about this film on social media is that a lot of people don't like the whole visual style of it, like how the lighting and, like, I guess the overall contrast of the how the images are displayed like there's this very like light overtone to it yeah i guess and maybe they could have up the contrast a little more to give some more darker tones but I thought it looked beautiful like there's just some stunning sequences yeah. like the first time Shoya's walking in the hallway and we're seeing like all the X's around people's faces and like this just claustrophobia and like the anxiety Ooh. he feels like the frame is all fuzzy and like it's so blindingly bright and like it's just so good in the way this film communicates visual and emotional information my god it's yeah. just masterful directing. See, I really need to explore Nyoko Yamada's body of work more deeply now. Cause in order to do a really comprehensive analysis of this film, I really need to understand that style. And so that's what I really need to do. I really need to understand her body of work. So you need episode by episode analysis of Kog? I don't know, but <laughs> I do need to actually rewatch Kayon. And now that I'm like free, uh, from the misconceptions of what Moe is and, like, k as whatever it represented to this anti-Moe stance, you know, now that I'm free of those misconceptions and can see the show and, like, for what it actually is, I think I'd, like, appreciate it a lot more now and also, like, on a visual level, like, from what I've seen of Season 2 in particular of that show, it is just really masterfully directed. So, yeah. you know, I, that's why I really want to explore the the work of this woman because she is like a, a big name and who knows what she could go on to create. She's just so early on into her career. She's like in her early thirties, like Jesus, like she could, no, I think late twenties even, I don't yeah, know. She know. That's about the same age as Oima. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, she's had so much under her belt already. Yeah. So maybe she'll direct to your attorney's anime if it ever gets an anime. I mean hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I need to explore the body of work because I'm just not qualified right now, having so little experience with it outside of this film and it's the first season of Kaon, which I watched years ago. I think I watched like four episodes of Kaon with you. Yeah, I should watch Kaon at some point probably. But, you know, this is another film that after seeing it I really wanna see it again. This is a film I could probably watch endlessly, just like the manga. I could go back to it and see, because it's just so rich with so many things going on. Yeah. Currently in the U.S., as of the time we're recording this, a sound voice is not licensed. Though, technically, you can get it, if you live in the U.S., you can still create a UK iTunes account, and then buy a UK iTunes gift card from some online store, and then buy it off UK iTunes. Because right now, Anime Limited has a license in the UK. They've released it on a bunch of digital platforms, Google Play, Amazon, I think, yeah, Amazon, and then iTunes. So if you have some way to access any of those versions of uh, Amazon, iTunes, etc. Uh, on the UK servers, then buy it off there. Please try to support this legally if you can. I know a lot of people who work for like Crunchyroll and and n have done this, so it's not impossible to do, it's not difficult to do. I think, at most, it probably took me 20 minutes to buy it, <laughs> at most, and part of that time was me just trying to figure out where to get a gift card, which really you can just get from anywhere. So yeah, hopefully at some point, this film will get licensed in the U.S. I'd be surprised if it doesn't, because it's so huge at this point. Yeah, it's very it, acclaimed. It's yeah. like, it's developed such a great reputation that it'd be a shame that if we don't get it in the U.S., yeah. And specifically, if we don't see a theatrical screening of this in the US, because I need to see this movie on the big screen. It's just so mind-boggling that this doesn't happen. Especially since Anime Limited has announced that, yeah, an English show is being produced, so someone is going to dub this, and likely it's going to be some US studio, because usually the UK gets our dubs. So it kind of brings up the question, like, why hasn't this been licensed yet? And maybe it has to do with some sort of like Pony Canyon USA meddling or something. Because Pony Canyon was involved with the music production in this. So they probably have some stake in the film. And in recent years they have been trying to license that to their US subsidiary. So maybe it has something to do with that. But regardless, I really hope this gets a US release at some point. Otherwise, I might consider just buying a region-free Blu-ray player and getting that Anime Limited DVD release that comes out in I think December. So someone please license this. Please, please, license, please this. license this for North America. Please show this in theaters in North America. I saw your name in theaters four times. I would see this as many times if given the chance, if not more. Yeah, I, I would definitely see this again. And yeah, I mean, it'd be such a shame for this not to be licensed with how much acclaim it's gotten, even. Since the Anime Limited digital release. Like before that it was I think top 20 on MIL. Ever since Anime Limited released their digital release on their digital platforms. It's now in the top 10. It's insane how you you can skyrocket that much in just a short amount of time. That just shows how much this film has resonated with people. Just how much people love this film. It is a Your Name level success. Yeah, the emotions are really raw and really widespreading. Like, it has, like, it's insane appeal because of, like, just how relatable these characters feel. Like, this story feels. Like, everyone has a, either experienced bullying, seen bullying, or been the bully. And, yeah. like, your name's story of friendships, of persevering through hardships, and the bonds between people, and then redeeming yourself for, you know, hurting people in the past... I think it like connects with a lot of people because these are experiences we all go through and like still like challenges and things in the back of our mind that we struggle with every day like what does it mean to really be a friend am I really qualified to be this person's friend can I be this person's friend after what I've done who I am like it's about looking at yourself looking that you are worth it that you are worth being around that you are worth having friends and that there are people out there who want to be friends with you and will be friends with you and will support you. Like, there are people there for you in this world. Yeah, it's a fantastic message. Of there are world. people who will hear your voice. Yeah. Your voice is not silent. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, people, check out this film. Support it legally, because you can support it legally. I don't want to hear it's a too much of a hassle type of crap. If you have the money to buy the film, go buy the film, please. I mean, it's pretty cheap too, right? Only twenty dollars, something. You could think it cost me fifteen only. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so it it's a, it's not expensive. It's pretty average price for an anime film. And honestly, making a UK iTunes account isn't that hard. Yeah. Especially for Maxie B because he lives in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Maxie, lucky bastard. You, you're pretty lucky, man. I am envious of you. You probably got to see it in theaters or. Even if you didn't, anime go yeah, Anime Limited did theatrical releases. Yeah, but even if he didn't go, like he had the chance to. He at yeah. least had the chance. And you'll be able to buy the Blu-ray in December. Yeah. So dang, Maxie, you're so lucky. But why uh, can't hopefully. we all live in the UK? <laughs> but I mean, hopefully the rest of us in the US and yeah, uh, elsewhere. If yeah, we is. might have to pay those Pony Canyon USA prices. Uh, oh God. I, I mean, if it has worthwhile bonus features, maybe. What well, well, are you willing to pay sixty dollars for a solid voice? Yeah, if it has worthwhile bonus features. Like, this is a movie that is worth that much to me. Because it's so good. Yeah, but what if it's just the Blu-ray? If it's just the Blu-ray, <laughs> then no. But, like, Pony Canyon releases, like, they usually have a little Yeah, bonuses. it's like, uh... If you remember the Madoka re- movie, 3 Rebellion Blu-ray release, it's probably gonna be like that. So it, like, has, like, a lot of extra pack-ins with it. Sure, but, like, I, yeah. what I really want are, like, Director commentaries, like interviews, behind the scenes, making ups, you know, include that all that on the disc. Oh, so that, I'm, that, that's sure, the I'm sure it's going to have some of that. That's what yeah. I love watching. I love watching that kind of stuff. I love learning more about what went into the movie. And there's just plenty of great information on this movie already on the web. You can find many interviews with Nanioku yeah. about the making of this film, the intentions behind it. Like, there's some great stuff out there. And I would highly recommend doing the research, looking at all that. I certainly have collected a lot and will be parsing through this, and like, hopefully one day I can make something out of it, but I have that obligation to your name first. Yeah, also check out the original manga, unlike me, because don't don't be like me and not read the manga. It's all legally available. It's on Crunchyroll Manga if you have a subscription. It's on Crunchyroll Manga, it's on Comixology, it's on a bunch of different places, it's also in print from Kodansha USA, It's, for U.S. people, it's as legally available as it ever possibly can. It's only seven volumes long, too, so it's It's, not going to break your bank. Yeah, you're not going to be going broke over this. This is the ultimate muscle we're talking about. (laughs) Well, that's a special circumstance. $120 for volume seven, people. (laughs) Uh, I'm never going to get that volume. Well, we'll see. And who knows? I managed to look out and get, like, the out-of-print Excel Saga volumes, but, yeah. Why can't I be like Maxi? He has volume 7. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Maxi! <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, Silent Voice, its story is as far-reaching and emotionally cathartic as ever, and I'm so glad to finally be able to see this film. Not just for the experience of watching, but also now I can finally listen to all those other podcasts by other people about this film. You haven't listened to them at all? No, I haven't listened to them. But I, you wrote the manga, what did- like, I didn't want to be spoiled about what was in the film, because oh. I didn't know what the film changed, or like what was oh, gonna okay. be interesting to look out for, and also if I had listened to those, I'd be influenced when talking on this podcast. Good point. Actually, I don't want to repeat <laughs> stuff that other people have already said on other podcasts. Hashtag said copied. Did bro? Zero out of ten. When zero. did I copy, DigiBro? Good point. Aside from not liking A1 Pictures anymore. What? I like A1. I don't. <laughs> you A1 that. Pictures. <laughs> I don't hate A1 Pictures at all. You said that you didn't like A1 Pictures anymore. I mean, I recognize the bad parts about them. But it's not. I don't have a hatred for them. Like. I like plenty of their shows, mostly adaptations of manga I like, like Silverstone and Magi. One year from now, Sid starts hating all A1 Pictures adaptions. Yeah, I doubt that will happen. That's what they all say, Sid. Uh huh. For the digi gets you. Like, there was a good, there were good A1 Picture shows just last year that I liked. Like Erased and uh, well, I like most of Erased. It's better than the manga. See, the race anime was better than the manga, so that's a that's an A one. Is the manga really that convoluted? It's not convoluted. You said the ending was really convoluted. I mean, their plan to you know capture Yashiro, expose his identity, it is kind of over the top in the manga. Like, don't they go on a camping trip or something? Yeah, they go on a camping trip and like this bridge, and like they they... burn the bridge or something. Yeah, uh, it's this metaphors. (laughs) I don't even know. It's just metaphorical of anything. It's just really over the top for what the story was. But uh, that's not even the reason I don't like the manga. They just uh, like that entire like the entire part after like Yashiro's identity is revealed, like. All the 20 chapters that happened after that, I just, I just don't care it about 20 it. 20 chapters after that? Yeah. They isn't this a monthly series? or? It was a monthly series. Like, Jesus! They condensed that entire thing into two episodes and completely changed the ending in the anime, so it, they made it so much better in the anime. <laughs> this isn't an Erase podcast, you know? <laughs> you know. Yeah, this is that's about one year too late. Yeah. Hey, we saw Black Butler Book of the Atlantic just a couple weeks ago. I love that. Oh yeah, that was A1. Okay, Sid <laughs> so is not Digi. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where you're talking about. Anyway, I guess we're done talking about a silent voice if we've rambled about anyone pictures or whatever now. Yeah, probably. So, I guess this will be the end Oh wait, wait, we forgot to talk about it. your name or silent voice. I already said that I prefer your name because I mean, I can't help but judge *A Silent Voice* the film to *A Silent Voice* the manga, right? So I look at the manga and just has so much more in it. So even as as beautifully directed as the film is, like when I have that manga to compare it to, just it will fall short in comparison. Even though this film is so beautiful, I probably would can put it in like my top ten anime films. But your name, just as an experience, and like every time I've gone and seen it, like I keep getting more and more out of it. So like, your name to me is just like, on a higher level, but you also need to keep in mind, I've only seen the Silent Voice of the film once at this point, so I need to watch it like a few yeah, more times. There's a lot of details on that film. I've seen your name five times, so obviously mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a little more biased in its favor, cause I've just...
1: Not more time now.
0: No. Do you think if you had read Makoto Shinkai's original novel for your name, would that influence your opinion about the film? I don't know if the novel is better, and it's also like a tie-in to the film. Well, the novel, the film is an adaption of the novel. Shinkai wrote the novel before the film. But it didn't come out before the film. It did come out before the film. Barely. It came out a month before the film, because Shinkai, pub- publishing-wise, it just became like a mess. Sure, but, but... It was written well before the film. But they were made in conjunction with each other. Like well, even if it came out first, like they were made side by side, it was like a multimedia project. Well, no, the film was written first, and then he took the story of the film of the, of the book, and then he adapted that into the film. You just said the film was written first. <laughs> no, the book was written first, and then he took that story and adapted it into the film. Okay, sure. I I don't know because again, I don't know like if the book is even better, and yeah. also Shinkai is like such a visual director. Like, that's where Shinkai's field of expertise is, and it's a little bit different, like, him, his taking his written work and making it his own visual work. Like, if yeah. this was, if a Silent Voice was, like, an original film by Naoko Yamada based on her work, you know, that would be a little bit different. Mm. It'd be easier to, like, think about what I would prefer. But it, it's not. It's an, adapta- it's an adaptation. And, like, you know, Makoto Shinkai adapting his own work. It's like He's Miyazaki kinda, adapting his own stuff. It's like Otomo adapting Akira. Yeah, that too. You know, it's really hard to say, like, do I feel like creator's intent was missed? Do I feel like there's something missing here? Because the creator made the, his own film <laughs> adaption. Yeah. I think the other thing to consider, too, is that the Your Name novel is also pretty short. I think it's like, I was peeking at it before we were recording this, because we were at a local BNN, and it's only, like, 180 pages. Uh huh. So you know, that's not very long for a film. that's your name's like two hours. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty easily adaptable. I feel like Makoto Shinkai could pack way more into images than he could describe in words. Yeah. <laughs> Once you take out all the imagery of your name, that probably goes pretty quickly plot-wise. Yeah, I mean that's just <laughs> such a big part of the of the appeal of that film. And it's a bigger part of the of the Asylum Voice film, but it has just such a strong story underlying yeah. it that that, like, gives, that kinda gives just another level for you to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I guess to give my, like, Your Name versus Silent Voice thing, I'd probably have to lean towards Your Name, but still it's, like, very close. A silent Voice is just such a fantastic film that it's hard, it's hard to say which one's better. Yeah, you know, they're both, like, the best anime movies in a long time. Uh, I think that the acolytes they've been given is proof enough of that. Yeah, they they definitely deserve those top ten spaces on ML. Indeed. For sure. But we'll have to see how time looks back on these films, and, like, what their legacy will be. Hopefully memorably. Adaption-wise, this is a good sign for Oima and their future work. Definitely, hopefully, more of a manga down the line get as starting adaptions as this did. So, yeah. So I guess we'll see. I mean, I certainly will revisit this film and your name more times in the future. Yeah, and for I'm sure. certainly not done talking about them, and hopefully I'll be able to go into them in more depth than I could on this, like, rambling podcast <laughs> we do. Yeah. Where we just top of the heads for the moment. All- this is a deep, intricate podcast, Sid. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we talked about Totoro being a secret drug dealer. That episode will probably come out after this, so no one will know what you're talking about. Good point, but still, Totoro's a drug dealer. <laughs> All the signs are there. <laughs> So look forward to uh, our discussion of the secret meanings behind My Neighbor Totoro whenever that podcast gets released. But for now, that does it for this episode of Manga Matter with Ad Movies. GTC, where can good people find you? Uh, the people can find me on Twitter at VlordGTZ. That is V-L-O-R-D-G-T-Z. Um, you can also find me on M-A-L under the same name. And yeah, that's about it. If you want to talk to me about Jojo or Detective Conan or anything of the sort, hit me up. And yeah, you can find me at Lum Ramiyasha on Twitter and on basically everywhere else. That's my username, such as Animation Revelation and MAL. As for the show, you can follow manga mavericks at manga underscore mavericks on Twitter, manga on Tumblr, and on our YouTube manga mavericks, just search for it, it'll be the first result. Remember, guys, we need those 100 subscribers, get that custom URL. So please subscribe and like our content on there, as well as rate and review us on iTunes. Because both of those things will help our channel grow. As for the show, you can also find it on oldcomment.com. That's where these podcasts first appear. And you can also, if you want to suggest movies or give us comments and criticisms, you can send those in to manga mavericks at gmail.com. We love hearing feedback from you guys and we love answering your questions. And we haven't gotten any of those for manga mavericks at movies yet, so we certainly could use them. But please ask his questions. <laughs> yeah. Please. We want to do a manga mavericks at movies QA special. Oh god. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. But that does it for this episode of manga mavericks at movies. And I guess we'll see you in the next one. Sayonara. Later.